Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Please welcome Anna Rubanova! Hey! Hi guys, hey, thank you hey. for having me. I didn't realize this was a singing podcast, but I am prepared to sing. Go, yes. Let's do it. I, yeah, What? which Bernadette Peters song would you like to hear today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. uh, your choice. Something okay. from Annie? Dealer's choice. We won't <laughs> make you sing unless you. Oh really. wow! Wow, you're going. Wasn't you're going Annie? for the movies. Yeah, let's just let's just Annie. Uh, guys, we'll we'll forget I ever mentioned it, huh? Let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what's good, Anna? Where where are you coming to us from? I'm coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, California, USA. Hey. Yeah. California. The palm trees today look frizzled. The sky is a beautiful gray. Oh, wow. Um, I Link. think that means there's smog <laughs> right. or dust or something. It, it might explain a lot of breathing problems. But yeah, just another gorgeous day in reality. Where did you grow up? Mm. I grew up in New York. Okay. And then how do I've you... heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of that. So yeah. it's not just a rumor, but that place, it's a real place, huh? Uh, is that what's what's it like being from New York and now, you know, living in like most, you know, being a New Yorker and then being in California? I'm always curious to see. There's always a, there's varied takes on that experience. I am so happy I'm here and not there, mm. except for this summer. I, I This summer, I feel like I, I would have rather been there. But we moved here in 2016 before mm. the election, right? Right. So if we had to have lived through Trump in New York, I think we would have been in a really bad <laughs> mental place, <laughs> Sure. which I, I mean, the sun really helped. And the, the in, if you live in New York, you understand this, like once winter comes, it, everything feels like it's over. Like you right. have to, <laughs> you have like you missed your opportunity. You squandered the year, and now you have to plan for how you're going to come back in the spring and summer and fall. In LA, you have the benefit of patience and like, okay, so like you know, it was a nice day today. It was 80 degrees. That's right. okay. Tomorrow it'll be a nice day, 80 degrees. It's okay. I can <laughs> I can have fun then. I didn't miss out, you know. Yeah. And I think that was very helpful for my brain. Which, as you can tell, is a little messed up. <laughs> Not at all. Sounds good on my end. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Not a day goes by. Sorry. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so you're not at the point in your L.A. life where you start fetishizing uh, the winter and missing the winter and stuff like that. That usually comes around like 10 years in. Oh, so. no. It's only been five. So... When yeah, that yeah, happens, so I don't know if winter will exist in the world, mm -hmm. but um, oh, that's a good point. The, yeah, at that point, I think we'll all have like really wonderful like VR AirPods or something that will replicate, you know, uh, the despair of winter accurately, and I think we'll be okay. <laughs> right. Right. Sorry, there's now like yard work going out going on outside. So and that's that is perfectly appropriate. 
It's called okay. texture, and we love it on the Daily Zeitgeist. Miles, I meant to uh, tell you that my five-year-old is now, I think, heading in the direction that you ended up in, where he, because he's never around winter, like, just in the past couple of weeks, he started like only wanting to read stories about winter. There's yep. like a Avengers story with frost giants and like all it's one page of like this one children's book that he has. And he like asks me about them every day. So like yeah. he's he's going to get the very particular type of uh, L.A. Being a, yeah. Born out of this dry desert. You all you want to do is wear jackets because it seems like exotic <laughs> clothing to you. <laughs> Right. Don't you guys go to Big yeah. Bear Lake or what, whatever? Yeah, but that's like yeah. for like a one-off, you know, like you don't get like sustained periods where like you have to wear like a scarf and things like that. And every person I know who comes from the East Coast is like, you don't want that. You don't want that. And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. I, part of me actually doesn't want to be hot all the time either. So, you know, it, it, too much of a, Dude, too much of one thing can be bad. The other thing people forget about New York is when it's hot, it's so hot you can't live. Right. It's 98 degrees and humid. And like last time I was I was back home, I had to take a, a full day off for exhaustion, which had <laughs> never happened to me. Like, I was wow. I got excited. I I um I went I went back and I started like walking everywhere, you know. I was uh, walking places I didn't have to, just back and forth, back and forth cuz mm -hmm. I could. Yeah. And the next day I I had to cancel all of my appointments and I had to lie down on a couch for a bit. So standard New York in the summer is very bad for sweaty people. I would like <laughs> need to bring a change of clothes everywhere I went. It was real. It was bad. I, I oh, yeah. sweat through like entire suits, not just the shirt part. Yeah, not good. <laughs> and you also have to have a backpack full of bricks because <laughs> that's New York. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's important. We like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? You love to ask that question. I do love it. And <laughs> frankly, I live to answer it. I The most recent search in my search history is it was Float Tank near me, Auckland, which has turned out to be, I'll say their name, a, a place called Float Culture in Eden okay. Terrace. Look, and they're I'm not gonna, paying for this mention, guy. Well, they better. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> we'll reach God out to their people. They're after chasing this, but... that lucrative greenback during these <laughs> pandemic times. Uh, and so, not long after this record wraps up, I'm going to go and lie down in a salty, enclosed body of water for an yeah. hour and see if that is relaxing. What, what do you, you hoping... guys think? I mean, I've I've heard about it. I really want to try it because as a kid. I remember being in the bathtub and I would kind of do the version where I just kind of put my just my ears underneath the surface mm. and just always be like, this is so weird. And try and like, I don't know, I, I, I didn't know about meditating then, but I guess I was doing some yeah. form of it with that. So when I hear about float tanks and how, you know, the buoyancy essentially makes it feel you completely sort of begin to separate your physical and mental and yeah, you, yeah have that sensation. I've been really interested in going, but I have not done it. Wow, man, that is exactly my shit. So I'm going to go and I'm going to find out. I, I'm really hope I, to I'm, find out. I'm really excited, yeah. Because there's also like the, the most, probably the most relaxed and best I feel in my life is when you, you're lying down and you're about to fall asleep. And it's sort mm -hmm. of, it's not quite lucid dreaming, but it's that moment between consciousness and unconsciousness. And you're like, man, 
My brain right. is taking me wherever it wants right now. Yeah. I think that I have the same thing because like I love floating and just in general, you find me in a body of water. I like to float in the in the ocean where it's a, it's calm enough. I like to just get on my back and just feel, you know, whatever that sensation is. But I think it's really interesting for what they say is just like sort of this introspective opportunity that it offers people when you're kind of in this situation or in that environment. Yeah. So I tried it once and I have to just a little piece of advice is don't go face down when you're floating. That's <laughs> with a they, snorkel or yeah, not at all? Not at all. And they, oh. I, I only lasted a couple seconds. And they were like, you got you to stop doing that. No, I, I've heard it's trippy. I'm trying to figure out if that's like the one episode of Joe Rogan that I listen to. And I always talk I, that I, I listen to ref- on repeat <laughs> on repeat yeah. every day just I to mean, get ready. It was just, you know, such just a good episode. I, my- <laughs> I couldn't risk muddying the waters with any of the other ones. <laughs> uh, but they, they were talking about that and it made it very intriguing. And then there's the Simpsons episode where he like, basically it's like tripping, right? Like is yeah. what the, the most extreme version of it that I've heard. I like anything. I, I'm into anything that can like put you in touch with sort of the the vast realms of your unconscious mind. So I'm um, this is me saying I'm going to do that too. I'm gonna I, I don't know why I haven't to this point. I've always right been on. very interested in it and it sounds great. I'm gonna do it too. Man, and I'm gonna I, do it on my back and all see right. if I can last I can't a couple wait, minutes this time. I can't wait to see the huge spike in traffic that float culture Eden Terrace <laughs> is having right <laughs> now. Oh yeah. <laughs> And you can say you're welcome. When you arrive today, even though the episode yeah. may not be out, you can just say you're welcome. Yes. And, like, and I, w- and I will. You'll see. And you'll they'll see. say, man, this guy's got a bad attitude. He needs to float immediately. <laughs> they do like clear, clean the water, right? In between floats. Like you're yeah, not that, laying there's a, somebody there's a little yes. drain. And there's, uh, I understand right. you got to wash yourself for 15 minutes before and after. That's good. Yeah. Which you're is not yeah. like laying in some, someone else's soup. Like yeah, a I, or you get a wicked ear infection in there. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to be a brand new soup. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a shared. I think it's a shared soup. I think it's like you're at the restaurant and you trust the other diners. Would, how, if you were running right. a tank business, how many how many floats you do before you switch out the soup? Two. Well, I, if it's my Three? tank business, yeah, I'm trying. You know, it's like uh, running you're a fryer. Corners. You don't want to change that oil. That's where <laughs> the flavor is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all the revelations it's a cast iron skillet yeah yeah, yeah. all the revelations are from yeah. keeping the same water over and over <laughs> mix everyone else's hallucinations up with your own yeah yeah You're like jacinda was just in there you want to switch <laughs> yeah. it out i don't think so hell no it should be an honor to be in there she was in there uh jermaine clement was in there i think one time Keep i going. mean you know how all many kinds of new zealanders you got that great cricketer the you know the one you know, the but, one we're talking about. Guy well, Montgomery, you know. Many great cricketers. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm honored that I've made your New Zealand celebrity list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's every per, every person I ask that I meet that's from New Zealand. I say, you know Guy Montgomery, right? That's the homie right there. <laughs> but that that is such a, like when, when you know, the, the airlines, we found out, don't clean anything in between. And they're like, take right. the garbage with you. And that's why we all got sick on airlines for so many years. Mm. Yeah. So Is Keith Urban... New Zealand or Australia? You know, damn, that's a good question. I think he's Australian. Is he married to... No way to know. Nicole Kidman? <laughs> yeah. I think he's Australian. 
Okay. There, there are a few that are contentious that we sort of... Um, he seems to be on this list with like Russell Crowe too. Yeah, Russell Crowe's contentious. Both oh, countries wow. claimed him and then both countries were like, ah, you, ah, you have him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think he's Australian. There okay. Well, he wasn't in the soup, so don't worry. Crowded House is New Zealand, but Australia claims them as their own. Gotcha, gotcha. What is something you think is overrated, Derek? Elon Musk. Hands mm. down. Hell yeah. That man, I, I get hey, he has, I get that he has, a you know, tons of stands on Twitter or whatever. But like, if, like objectively, the dude is not a, like a smart person and he's not a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, objectively, we can just, like, look at, like, lay everything out on the table, bar any of the the excuses. Yeah, well, what about? Yeah, well, what about? It's like, the dude didn't invent anything. He's not Tony Stark. We can stop calling him Tony Stark because he's not. He's a dude who's been backed by blood money his entire life. We can just, like, own that. And if you want to stand him for that, then just say that. But you need to own it. (laughs) I stand the blood money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My blood money king. Yeah, he, I think, is probably, if we had an official overrated as a podcast, or at least if I got to, like, choose it, Elon Musk would be would be mine. Just the amount of cultural, just energy that goes towards just loving on whatever, whatever thing he's promoting, uh, whatever bullshit scam he's got going, whatever relationship he's in, like, it's just... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, Bitcoin, we we can go back and forth on it all day. Like, it, it's it's bad for the environment, and the dude is ultimately only looking for himself. Like, yeah, he's yeah, going to try 100%. and turn a profit. Dogecoin is what it is because of him. Yeah. He's not in space. He's not going to be in space anytime soon. So, you even call yourself a billionaire? He got that contract, though. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? That's right. Remember, Bezos was real tight about that because he was like, well, I should also, you can't just have one billionaire. You should share because we're billionaires. <laughs> right. We know that concept. Yeah, we're great at sharing. Okay. I love that this is the dystopia. It's it's like we still have, there's, I mean, there's still a raging pandemic. There's still like global poverty on a, on a, on a level that like for hasn't you. been seen in a long time. But then for these three guys, they're like, you know what? I think it's time we go to space. Yeah. yeah. Again, global poverty for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen my shit. I fucking cashed out on Doge right before I hit the stage on SNL, baby. I'm mm. all good. But yeah, that's a, it, it's, it is, again, it's just like that deal Scott Heron, you know, Whitey's on the moon. Yeah. Uh, from, the, from the 60s, basically saying, we got all these problems down here, but Whitey's on the moon. Okay. Yeah. And just the ambient, like, not just like covering shit for this show, but just like, just ambiently, like, people who I encounter on a day-to-day basis, like the amount of respect they put on Elon Musk's name is just. Well, you know, because I think at the end of the day, like because we don't realize that the underpinnings of our whole society is just basically surviving. It's not really that like you're living your life, not in this country. It's like you have to survive because if you, if the revenue thing shuts down, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. So like looking at these people who don't have the stress of survival is like, they're like, oh, my God, that's the life. That's the life without really considering everything that's tied to that, which is we're stuck in a rat race where you're not being paid what you should be. And meanwhile, you're like you're, you're bigging up the people that are siphoning your wealth. But I've heard people quote Elon Musk like he's a philosopher. 
Well, hold on. Let me clarify. I only said that because I thought it was really poignant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is something you think is underrated? The thing that's underrated is just is is sort of the contemplation you get reading a book. Will just published Tarzan Economics, giving him a shameless plug for that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, reading and engaging with content. I think podcasts are the same thing when you when you feel as if there's there's a conversation that you're part of. I think that's fascinating and and way underrated because you feel a connection. And uh, I think this sort of bite-sized, constant flow of distraction in social media is 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 really damaging. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can build on that a couple of points. So just one, I, I always reminds me when I hear Richard talk about this of what Groucho Marx said, which is, you know, back then he said, uh, television's a fantastic invention because every time I switch it on, it reminds me to read a good book. And I just wonder <laughs> what he would say about Twitter and Facebook and the like today. And I, I often look at a lot of that social media as junk food and keeping with mm. that food theme. A, a, a colleague of ours, Noemi Drew, she said to me once, what Twitter is, is the ability to, you're sitting at a big dining table with lots of guests and everyone's broken off into private conversations and Twitter allows you to eavesdrop into all those private conversations. I thought if somebody doesn't tweet, it's a nice illustration of what it might actually mean to us. But then you have to step back and say, well, why would you want to eavesdrop into all those private conversations? Why not have a deeper one with something you can reward yourself from as opposed to all these distractions? So yeah, it does come across as, as, as junk food to me. So I'll ditto Richard's point there. But, uh, but Miles, I'll, 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 uh, something that hopefully you're aware of is that uh, about a month ago, the entirety of UK sport, every sport, rugby, cricket, tennis, football, all said complete ban on social media yeah. for four days over a bank holiday weekend because the original sin of Twitter is allowing people to be hashtag raving racist or hashtag, uh, uh, you know, I love abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just absolutely shocking. These And I say this in all seriousness, I think it is the id of Western civilization. All the things that we, you know, in classic psychoanalysis or, or psychology, you'd never say to people in polite company. Mm-hmm. All the terrible thoughts you have in your head that you would never voice directly to somebody. Right. People say them all the time on Twitter. Yeah. And and you you know you have someone who's who's uh, uh, you know an icon and and just deserving of the highest of of respect like Marcus Rashford in in the UK with all the stuff he's done with school lunches and so forth and yeah. he just gets the most unbelievable invective of abuse yeah and you don't know where it's coming from and of course no one is going to walk up to him in the street and say these things right and 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 and, and yet the entirety of sport it wasn't just one sport it wasn't just a few athletes it was. Everybody said, this has got to stop. We got to take yeah. a break here because we're not going to contribute to this, this constant bubbling up of, of, of an invitation to take pot shots at us. Yeah, no, I totally. Yeah, it's, it's there's the amount of especially the racial abuse hurled at like athletes is it, it, gobsmacked is the word I would use when I look that at is, some it. of the things that I read. And yeah, that even forced one of my sporting idols, Thierry Henry, to like deactivate his accounts. And he's saying, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to I'm not fucking with this at all. If this is what people come here for and the companies allow this to just run rampant, what is the point? Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of, you know, our guests, even who are comedians, come on to say like, like, you know, we can't stand social media because there is a there's a certain level where especially for comedians, like it's a place to get their jokes off. But on the other side of that, it allows for a lot of people to just come at them and say, all kinds of ridiculous things that, again, like you're saying, Richard, you would never hear someone say that to your face. 
And so we've had to like, we've built up these weird calluses emotionally to even engage in social media mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm sure resonate in many other ways. So, so I had a UK, a UK member of parliament say to me, you know, how can it be correct that something that you would be arrested for telling someone in the street to their face, you can say every day on social media. And Will will tell you the, 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 the language that's been hurled at Nicola Sturgeon, the leader of the, Scot- uh, the Scottish uh, National Party. You know, she, she gets all sorts of rape threats or what have you on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can't callous yourself entirely to that stuff. It's just uh, no one can. Right. But on interpreting it, like when, when Richard just mentioned, it was what was inside people's heads all along, but now it's pouring out. That reminds me of like one of the, the anomaly of crime stats is a good reminder for how do you interpret all this activity? So it goes like this. If crime stats are up, what do we know that's happened? Either A, crime is on the up, or B, we're getting better at catching criminals, or C, we've changed the definition of crime, or D, a combination of all of the above. But it doesn't necessarily mean crime is on the up. It means now we're seeing what people had inside their heads all along. I think that's an important contextual point about trying to make sense of this madness as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, the the neutering uh, effect that banning Trump from social media had is something that we talk about a lot on on this show but like that's truly that that was a moment when i really had to like sit back and be like wow they we we haven't figured this out yet and like that what he did the way he used social media like hopefully i'm assuming years down the road like that won't be possible uh in one way or another because it was just so so damaging now the worry for Scotland is he's kind of done his time in America. Is he going to come back to Scotland and open more golf courses? Because we got rid of him for a few years <laughs> right, whilst he was right. making a mess of your place. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it seems like uh, the Scots are, are are definitely more united in giving him a hard time than the people of the U.S. So <laughs> I don't know. He he. he I, who knows if if there's maybe a little MAGA contingent in Scotland, maybe he, he'll find it there. But I, it seems like Florida is the place for him at the moment. <laughs> Florida's got better weather than Scotland. Scotland, we have two seasons, winter and June, and that's your lot. So, <laughs> winter, winter and June. June. I love it. That was amazing. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the news. And we're back. And so are the Olympics. Apparently, they're still happening, still coming up. Uh, no matter what. It doesn't seem like it. But they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Olympics, taxes, and death. The things that we will never escape. Mm-hmm. But the Olympics are coming. And probably the athlete, I think most people were expecting to be like the Michael Johnson of these Olympics, Shikari Richardson. Like she's a track and field superstar from America who was like, you know, top two, top three favorites to win the 100 meter dash, become the fastest uh, woman in the world. And she has now been uh, suspended from that race because she smoked weed. Yep. She tested positive for THC in a in a test that she took a few days after the qualifiers. And, you know, again, according to the World Anti-Doping Agency, it's banned during in-competition periods. These are the laws. And the time frame 
that begins at 1159 the day before the competition starts. And like they they say, like, you have a certain amount. But up until that window, uh, the rules change. And this so she popped on this test. And now because, uh, you know, the the U.S. Track and Field Association goes with these same their signatories to the World Anti-Doping Agency, like charter and shit, that they enforce these laws as well. So that for the U.S. side, the penalty can be anywhere from one month to a two year ban. But so in the most uh, if she doesn't appeal and let's say they give her one month, her ban would technically end right before like the the track events start. But the thing is, because she tested positive, that means her qualifying time is negated. So she is not going to be running in the 100 meter just individual race. So that means alternates, the people who are in, now the fourth place finisher has moved on to the team and the fifth place person has now become an alternate from the qualifiers. And the best the, the, right now, as it stands, the only chance she has is to participate in the four by one relay because the uh, the track association is able to select people to participate in that. So this is like really this is just completely fucked up. The things that I think a lot of people remember from her qualifying win was just her words about everything she had gone through to arrive at this moment. Having the support of her family that her biological mother had passed away days before. The thing is, she was told by a reporter, a reporter that her biological mother passed away. That's how she found out. And that was when she went and, you know, enjoyed some weed or whatever, just to, you know, deal with hearing this from some other person just out of the blue. And now she's looking at completely losing her shot at at participating in the Olympics. And it's just so fucking dumb. Like, I get that the rules are the rules, but this is just such this like anti weed stuff. It's like our prohibition on marijuana is just so built around this pseudoscientific racist nonsense, because let's be real. This is not a performance enhancing drug. The only fucking performance it's enhancing <laughs> is like you watching a clip of Santana on YouTube or some shit. Or like if you play a guitar, this night you're not you're not you're not seeing the matrix in a track race and now your fucking muscles are working overtime. So it's just like really disheartening and just sort of underlines just how behind we are in so many ways. Or if you're hosting a podcast about 90 day fiance, I should I should chime in on your behalf yeah, there. But that that's not an Olympic event yet. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's truly baffling. Like alcohol is not a like if it, I guess you can't test for alcohol, but it's not a banned substance and uh, other than your coach probably telling you not to do it because it's not going to make you faster and I would assume marijuana is the same way. That's it's really strange. But not strange, I guess, to be expected based on like the history of racism around marijuana. And the present racism around marijuana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. It's, it's we we always yeah. talk about it as as past tense of you know why marijuana was banned in the first place, you know anti black anti Mexican sentiments and all that, and it's like where we have not even scratched the surface of you know the constant stigma that's still associated with it. Mm -hmm. I watched a short clip of her saying, you know, like, this isn't, I'm still young. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I I still have a lot of races ahead of me, you mm -hmm. know, to that effect. And I'm just gonna, uh, I'll be back, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Gosh, I, it's so fucked up in every single way. And I just constantly feel like everyone who speaks out about it 
says a thing and then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like we'll we'll weigh in, we'll we'll throw in our two cents and go like, yeah, this is like this is clearly, you know, discrimination and they're and they're picking on people and and it's but then nothing happens. Like we we all know we all know the facts. We all know this isn't a performance enhancing drug. We all know why it was banned in the first place. We know why alcohol was unbanned, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. Or maybe not like sometimes that gets murky, you know, like prohibition ends because of, you know, pressure from probably some corporate shit and there's just not enough of it here. Right. Or it's cultural, different people, right? Like it's it's just fucked up in every way. And I'm sorry that I'm ranting and all I can do is curse about it. But Well, no, um, I mean, it's, it's just it's frustrating <laughs> yeah. because you look at somebody who is performing to the best of their abilities, you know what it means to them. And then for them to just get caught up in these relics of racist, just nonsense to fuck up your chances to represent the fucking country. You'd think like the, yeah. this country's so focused on winning. They'd be like, shut the fuck up cares if you're smoking weed this person's gonna win the fucking gold medal in the 100 yeah. meters and that's what we're about to put our best athletes out there but you still there's still this like this we're still so intertwined with these backwards laws and i don't know why you know again we're not having i mean we are having this conversation but the powers that be aren't because i think at the end of the day you realize that they're not interested in understanding what is equity or what is actually fair or not they're probably no, taking they, this they like, well, like this having mechanisms of suppression they like having that in place they like have they they like playing that dumb game of chess that they think they're playing where they're outsmarting everybody and we all can see through it it's just that they're still in power and they could still make they make the rules and change them at will so you know if a certain person is caught, you know, having an affair, it can be a huge scandal if if Trump. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know the whole Cosby thing. It's like, oh, 35 <laughs> women came out against him and, and still it was overturned. So, like, it's the yeah, rules Trump just apply. In the 20s. Yeah. Right. yeah, Trump is in the 20s. Like the rules just don't fucking apply <laughs> as, long, as long as you have the money to support or or the or just the power structure. It. It makes absolutely no sense. The Olympics are are, are also just, you know, straight trash. <laughs> yeah. And and also to to have that reporter question this athlete and go like, you know, are like are you going to apologize? Like what are you going to do? Like how do you feel? How do you how do you, you know, tell us about how you disappointed everybody or whatever. Like you know she's going home and drinking a boxed wine after that. Like she, everyone yeah. or like taking whatever yeah. pills her doctors prescribed her and because those are legal she's fine and this girl smoked weed in a legal state after finding not out on the died. day that she's competing either right like marijuana yeah. stays in your system for a bit okay yeah and that's such a good point <laughs> fucking reporter <laughs> like, like probably yeah and it it is really frustrating to see like the way it's being covered by the media, the AP like unquestioningly just be you know uh, the, and then it almost feels like she is she's like okay yeah I own what I did I made a mistake and like I'll be I'll bounce back but like it, it's just like why why are, why isn't anyone saying the obvious thing that this is fucking tear this so shit stupid. down tear this and she didn't make shit a mistake down. she didn't make a mistake she. I, I would say she's practicing self care in a tough in a in a tough yeah. situation, right? And taking care of herself while she's dealing with all this, you know, 
familial and mental stress. Yeah. With all of the pressure, the full pressure of her being this star athlete that's going to go represent a country that barely respects her. That's a lot of pressure. And if uh, all you do is smoke a little weed, holy shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how strong are you to just, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, and it's, yeah, it's, it's only a mistake in this narrow, stupid context of being an athlete and all these weird fucking rules that they have that are, let's face it, or m mostly we're seeing, you know, athletes of color be punished for these kinds of things. So it, it makes you frustrated on so many levels because at the end of the day, this is a human being who like, you have to allow people to have the, you know, latitude to fucking take care of themselves or whatever. I get it. And, and especially in a context that isn't running afoul of local laws or putting anyone mm -mm. in danger. So really, what who, who is this protecting? And I think that the way that, you know, Jack, like you're saying, the AP is just going to be like, yeah, well, they violated the laws without being like, yeah, but wait, hold on. What the fuck are these laws, though? Like, what is what are these regulations for? And notice she had to say that in her in her quote yeah. apology. I am a person. I am a human being. Right. Yeah. Like, right. I, I'm par obviously paraphrasing, but she's like, remember, <laughs> I'm not, I am a, a human. you know, I'm. I'm a human. Firstly, yeah. not a superhero, but also not your, you know, not yours to do with what you please. Like, I'm not, I'm only here because uh, someone pushed me in front of the camera and told me I had to be sorry for this, you know? Right. Be Otherwise, I want to run. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't even seem legal, to be honest. Because yeah, right. you can you really punish somebody for some, for, for doing something legal? days before that isn't a performance enhancer um, yeah, yeah i'm sure this is going to evolve over the you know in the next few days because you know she can appeal and i'm sure that would be a reason to say like i don't know what do, do you you know you want to see somebody run hot like faster because they're high or whatever like i don't know what that means also i'm going through things can you extend some empathy towards me also these laws are nonsense so what are we doing here but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the public is definitely like outraged because they see this for what it is. And like, I think for most people now, the, you know, the majority of society is like, what's the problem with someone smoking weed? Like, what are we talking about here? We're not all our, you know, sixth grade teachers from like the 90s who are like, oh, don't be, you're going yeah. to ruin your life. And maybe the silver lining here is that she will maybe be a trailblazer in that way. You know, maybe she is the test case. Maybe she will turn it all around because of public opinion and because of the situation here. Mm -hmm. I think, I hope that she will come out of this stronger and more powerful and more successful because of her situation and, and how she's handling it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's still not fair, but yeah. I hope that is the outcome that she, you know, gets a book deal, gets a movie deal, gets all these statues, <laughs> you know, like, that might be the outcome. It's just not, it's, it shouldn't have happened. And, and it shouldn't be happening to everybody in similar situations. So, And like that is hopefully a silver lining that people recognize that this shouldn't be a fucking rule. But at, at the same time, like this is somebody who trains their whole life to compete for these nine seconds in, which is insane that she can do it in nine seconds but uh like and and to have that taken away from them is just so fucking cruel that's unbelievable
Yeah. And what's also this idea of like the substances being banned comes from like this paternalistic sort of perspective. Like, well, we're looking after the athletes too. like what's best for them. But it's like, well, they need right. to have a yeah. lot more Fuck shit off. on there if you're purely interested in the health of the athletes, because it doesn't yeah. look like that. And it just rings hollow. So, you know, I yeah. honestly I hope that they realize they need Shakari Richardson at these Olympics, you know, even though, you know, fuck the Olympics. They're such a tortured event. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope you can run Shakari. That's a great wrap up of this topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking earth. All right. I wanted to talk about residential schools. And this is, you know, an ongoing story that we're going to continue talking about on this show. But there's been a lot of coverage of the mass graves of, you know, indigenous people and children discovered on the grounds of former residential schools in Canada. And a lot of the coverage has treated it as a uniquely Canadian phenomenon. I think we even were like, God damn, this is like evil for Canada. Well, it turns out uh, America gave them the idea for Indian residential schools. As early as 1819, the United States was institutionalizing indigenous genocide in the form of industrial schools and boarding programs. And then a Canadian prime minister sent a journalist down to like document it. And they basically imported it from America. They imported the idea and the ideology from America, which is not shocking. But this writer, Abigail Kirby Conklin, directly reached out and was like, yo, you guys should know that this is America is very complicit in this. Um, yeah, America's superpower, one of them is just to point at a problem abroad and be like, I can't believe that's happening there. Meanwhile, you started this shit. Right. And yeah. just, yeah, and be able to put the focus on something else. I mean, yeah, whenever I'd read about it, I'm like, where are the stories about? Because, you know, the U.S. has a terrible track record mm. uh, with indigenous genocide. So I'm curious when the media here begins to bring it up. But it takes takes a lot for, you know, corporate media here to begin to talk about history or how it relates to other countries. Yeah, yeah it, it's like if we if we just if we let it pass, nobody will know. They won't talk about it. So the, like the the Catholic Church, we know as like a, just a criminal institution, you know, from even when all of those like white kids were getting molested in Boston. Right. Like they're a criminal organization that that has built an entire empire on like actual human misery and suffering and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that that the pope or or many of these sort of like religious figures are like well you know everybody's nobody's perfect <laughs> to kind of describe like murdering children and taking right. them from their families and the fact that like a few of the the churches have burned down, people are like, oh my god, all oh, these churches. It's like you're lucky that all that they came for was the building when you came for their children. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't. We do so so much pearl clutching over like the protection of children, but here are mass graves of children. And it's kind of like, yeah. Well, what do you expect? What do you want? It was a different time. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of the same now because we just it's it's just more technological and now it's about separating people and families and it's it, it's the same energy it's yeah. just manifesting in different ways and even to your point i mean like there's a, a papal decree you know before the uh, colonization of the americas where the pope was like hey spain portugal go do your fucking thing over there 
enslave these people, convert them. That's your right. I'm the Pope. I'm out. Go do it. Like that is like the all of there's they go hand in hand with each other. Yeah. So I think the first episode that I that I was here with you guys on, like I was talking about my indigenous ancestry and like so that in itself, like sort of touches my history. I was I was mm -hmm. reading and, uh, you know, like. A lot of the documentation that we have about the Mexica Empire, the, what people call the Aztecs, because the Aztecs were like a federation. They, they weren't called Aztecs. They were the Mexica. And there were several different tribes and they were like a federation of communities. When when the Spanish came, like there's there's an account written by a Spaniard where it's like, well, we were welcomed into Tenochtitlan with like incense, Miko, because they thought we were gods. And it, it, like the the ego and the arrogance on top of that and it's like th they didn't think you were gods you smelled you smelled like, you like shit you, you didn't bathe <laughs> you were filthy <laughs> you were they, filthy they had working sewage systems they were essentially yeah. spraying you with axe body spray on pond entry <laughs> and you didn't get the hint they perfume yeah. us like we are their like gods. we are stinky pieces of colonizer <laughs> shit <laughs> and so but it's like but but it's like that's the record that right. it that persisted that you know because a lot of the stuff was burned a lot of the stuff was destroyed and a lot of indigenous history tends to be oral or it tends to be passed down through stories storytelling so like the the catholic church giving giving spain and giving portugal permission to sort of like go to town go ham on you know my ancestors was like was part of that sort of that was part of that of that record keeping, I, I guess mm -hmm. it's like, you know, oh, these these people are are savages and these people are, you know, they had to they had to come up with a story to justify what they wanted to get done. Yeah. And it's tragic that like that is the story that gets passed down in schools or just like the top surface level of like history. So when when we talk about indigenous people or we talk about you know, sort of the the atrocities that happened to us, like there's just that topsoil level of like, well, you guys weren't even really civilized anyway. And, you know, well, you guys were just roaming around in the also, woods. Like Thanksgiving, like everyone yeah. chilled together. So I don't yeah. know what the problem is. Like, I think we were just more lit as a society yeah, and you guys. Yeah, it's happened. just sort of all of these, all of these yeah. like colonial sort of it's like well why didn't you why don't you just ask any of us like they're you know yeah go directly to the source it's not like it's not like we disappeared it's wild like that you talk about that because i remember one of my first like history classes in college was about iberian history so we we're talking about spain and you know colonization of the americas and things like that and i remember this is in college this person raised their hand when we were talking about indigenous people and they're being and then being forced conversions and things like that this person was so sincerely confused in this lecture class, raised their hand and out loud asked, well, didn't the indigenous people want to be converted to Christianity? Like as mm -hmm. if you could tell that this person's entire life was spent believing this one thing that they didn't think it was a hot take. They were sincerely confused in a class about the, you know, Americas. Yeah. That then they're saying, but I thought they wanted to and you realize yeah that's that's a lot of the shit that we have to spend our time overcoming is these lies that we're told yeah if that's your automatic perception of of native people pre-colonization yeah. then nothing's a genocide then nothing's terrible then nothing yeah, exactly. is uh you know yeah. a, a, a humanitarian crime yeah we were doing them a favor and the idea that all of these things are lost to history. Like there are entire histories that are untranslated because nobody bothered to learn the languages and read them. And that 
it's also like this idea, like the, that idea that they are less advanced, that their civilizations were less advanced. Like they, they were more advanced. They were cleaner. They had sewage systems. The only reason that they died is because of like there, there was a lot of obviously like military brutality, but it was they were weakened by plague. Like it was just the luck of the draw of the germ, the germ theory that basically fucked them over. And it was like 90 percent of the continent was depopulated. And that's the reason not it's not that there was like better, much better technology or. Yeah, because, yeah, like it literally they like the Mexica Empire built island they built an island in yes. the middle of a lake for, to like the epicenter of trade like yeah. i don't know how you get more advanced than that yeah oh uh, how about shitting your doubloons <laughs> on a ship or the or you know the the folks in like arizona and new mexico who like you know built cities into the into the, the mountains walls, yeah the walls, like yeah, yeah there's there's so many there's so many sites and structures and things we'll never know about because they were because they were dismantled because they were destroyed and like our the lifestyle was for every for every uh, obviously i'm not going to speak for for every every indigenous person or, or wherever they come from but like lifestyles were just different that you know like these sort of permanent massive structures to like pat yourself on the back of how awesome you are didn't exist for a lot of people like you know mm. uh, some people were nomadic. Some people were sort of like, oh, we have, you know, we go where the f we follow the food. Like, like just doing any sort of actual research that like or oral history that's been that's been written and documented by other indigenous people. Like there's there's so much to learn and there's so much like when you truly understand like how fucked over we were in terms of like Jack was saying, like, yes, the smallpox devastated the population but there were also government programs both from spain both from portugal and the and the united states like the intentionally killing buffalo to starve natives mm -hmm. you know being able to these residential schools literally being able to purchase native children like for ten dollars the like it's multifaceted in in the way that the genocide occurred and is still going because of because of like, uh, I know, you know, people on the Navajo Nation, like who don't have clean water, like they don't have running water. They don't have sh uh, paved roads in a lot of places like the U.S. government, like literally it, it, like killing them out of neglect. Yeah, because it was sort of like, oh, you want to be your own autonomous nations? Fine, go ahead. But don't ask us for anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, sure, we took of, all of this, all of yeah. this away from me, and told you we were going to pay you for it, but right. we're just going to stick you over here and let you do your own thing. Right. We'll pass. We'll get that check to you sometime. Yeah, yeah. America doesn't remember because it doesn't want to remember because yes. this is the DNA of America is that so they incarcerated thousands of indigenous children. Like we still have a country that is built on mass incarceration. There's the imprisonment of migrants along our border with Mexico uh, during World War II. Like, it's just repeating structures within American society that we don't want to examine and fix because that's how the society works, essentially. But with specifically with indigenous people, it's really like just 
go fucking go look up Cahokia and the they built a striped mountain that was like made of various colors of soil and clay that they had brought from like hundreds of miles away in St. Louis that like put the great pyramid of Giza or the pyramids in Egypt to shame. And the reason that like you've never heard of that is because they were about to build a fucking parking lot on it when somebody realized what was happening. Cahokia was like the biggest city in the world during the 1200s. And America systematically and intentionally doesn't want to honor these histories because they were erased for a reason. And, you know, that there's still a lot of America's ideals that are that are tied up in the reasons that it was erased and why you never learned how advanced indigenous civilizations were. But it's actively being ignored. It's actively being written out of the news, out of history. And people just aren't bothering to study this stuff because it it kind of contradicts, you know, the central American ideal, I guess. Exceptionalism. Uh, exceptionalism. Can't be exceptional if you're mediocre in comparison yeah. to the indigenous people that you're. You just moved into a like apocalyptic society and like moved into people's houses like fucking Goldilocks and started like just pretended like you did all the work yourself. Yeah. Anyways, we will continue to cover that as America hopefully deals with its own history of residential schools. I mean, it's wild to think there's more of a concerted effort to not teach history at the moment. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like that's taking up so much space, especially on the conservative side. Is this whole, you know, like when you especially as it relates to critical race theory, that's not even being taught in elementary schools. But it's there. They know that it on, on the subconscious of a lot of conservatives. They know it's like, don't talk about the, the terrible stuff, because then that 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 sort of helps bolster the arguments that we are backwards and we need to change. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And. Let's talk about Netflix. Currently, you know, they've got, well, first of all, second season of I Think You Should Leave just dropped. So I'm very excited about that. But um, when you look at the top 10, for the most part, it's a lot of reality shows. Our new producer, DJ Dramos, was pointing out that Too Hot to Handle is constantly trending in the top five because they just dropped season two of that. Yeah. which is the hot people try not to have sex with each other reality show where, where $100,000 is at, is at risk or, you know, they're competing to win $100,000. And yeah, Miles, you were, you were reading somewhere that it's just like Netflix may be more the safe, like CBS version. Yeah, and, which content. is funny. In this write-up in, in Wired about Netflix, like every paragraph, whoever wrote this, I'm just going to big them up by name because they were clearly, I think you should leave now, fans, because 
every like opportunity there was to talk about. I mean, the only thing to watch on Netflix is obviously I think you should leave season two. And then like three paragraphs later, it's like, and I mean, were it not for shows like maybe I think you should leave season two that's about to drop. Netflix might not have anything. And I just love when people like are hardcore. So Kate Nibs, I see you, you Tim Robinson stand. I love the energy. But in this piece was writing, you know, globally, Netflix is the dominant streamer like that. That's just without a, a shadow of a doubt. When you look at the net, the Nielsen ratings, like that's reflected. It's like Netflix yeah. is the default top 10. And then if another streamer has a like big movie or a big show come out, they will sometimes crack the top 10 for like a week. And then it goes yeah. back to all Netflix. But the now, you know, they're saying with HBO Max and Disney Plus, they're finding their kind of rhythm in terms of original of original releases and like many new services coming online because it used to be like, well, at least Netflix has a lot of stuff. Now it's become like, if you like horror, if you want anime, like you're probably not going to go to Netflix. You'll go to like Crunchyroll or something like that. And then in the summer, you had like a lot of the movies were coming on HBO Max. Mortal Kombat, that Mortal Kombat film came out. The Godzilla versus Kong film came out. And like those did numbers that apparently made the Army of the Dead on Netflix just seem like a mild hit. And so all of this together, they're kind of saying like, well, it seems like it's sort of Netflix has definitely lost its place in terms of like the prestige area. And if even if you want to talk about them wanting to be a full fledged film studio, Amazon just went and bought a whole ass film studio in MGM. So they're like, how are they going to keep up? Because it seems like now their real big hits are I think you should leave. And maybe and sexy beasts where the people wearing like prosthetics to look like animals and shit that dating show. And they're like, where has the prestige gone? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and when you look at what <laughs> like they have all these accidental hits like that art film in quotes from the guy who directed Into the Void. But the premise was it's a art film where people are actually having sex. <laughs> and then there was the 365 Days, which was just a softcore porn. Those were like among their top 10 shows. So, I mean, they acquire a lot of content and then just let the let the people sort it out. And supposedly they make their programming and like what they invest in decisions based on what people tell them they want. So, yeah. It's this is sort of what happens when your um your commissioning is done by an algorithm. It's right. Like there are so many studio execs or whatever at Netflix, but it's like, what do they do? They take meetings with people, then go into a big room with you know a smart board with maths equations happening, and then come back out and say sorry. Right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It's this. I because even I think about it. I look at it through the prism of stand up comedy. There was that window where if you got a stand up comedy special on Netflix. It was this close to sort of like getting on Carson or Letterman, you know, mm-hmm. eons ago, where it was like there was a certain amount of prestige attached to that. But now it's as though it's it's nowhere near. I mean, I don't think that they stream the same numbers and it's just not like they give out those huge deals to your Chappelle's or your Seinfeld's or whatever. But in, for, for ordinary comedians, it's still fantastic, but it's just there's no care or attention paid to it. It's like this is one of the cheapest things that we can commission and I guess we'll give it a go and if people watch it then we'll we'll know to keep coming back. Right. And they're and they're kinda and Netflix is in a new phase, you know, they're no longer borrowing money for the first time. That was always a thing where it's like, where is all what are they doing? But, you know, I think this is part of their long term strategy. And yeah, 
things like Disney Plus and HBO Max, even Paramount Plus, they're siphoning away people's like watch time. Like it's funny, like I have Netflix, but again, I'm really only watching to probably watch I think you should leave or Sexy Beast or the F1 show or something like that. It's only like a couple things I feel like I need Netflix before. Whereas, you know, ask me seven years ago, I was like, oh my God, man, you're not fucking Netflix. Like, what the fuck do you do? Yeah. Like, how do you live? And again, these analysts are looking at it as because they're just, they're so ubiquitous. And now globally, they just have such a lion's share of the eyeballs that it's just going to be more like CBS where they were like the first to broadcast. But now people are just like, I don't know, like, it's it, it's around, but I'm not I don't fuck with CBS because I think it's cool. It just happens to be the biggest thing. Yeah. And also, I mean, the, the the way that these other streaming apps are popping up and qualifying their place, it's like there's only so much money in people's wallets where eventually you have, to, you know, you, you can't just you have to choose mm-hmm. and you can't just choose something because it's got one show. You'd go to your friends and watch it. But like you can't just be like, I'm going to get Netflix because they're going to have a new season of Tim Robinson's show in another year. Or two right. years. Doesn't make right. any sense. But here I am waiting yeah. for Tim Robinson's <laughs> show. <to come laughs> wow. Waiting no more. I yeah. know. You gotta today meet- came out today as we record this. Yeah. You gotta um meet out your your value you're getting from that show because that's a year's worth of Netflix subscription <laughs> distilled <laughs> into know. what, six episodes? I flew through them. I mean, when I, the first season came out, I probably just watched the first season three times over. Yeah, just because like the replay value was like sort yeah. of it was infinite for a while, and and I had to do the thing where I didn't want to start memorizing all of the bits like with other things I've watched because then I just find myself performing along with my TV rather than being like an audience because I like it so much. I'm like, oh man, if he tagged me in, I could do this sketch with him. It's <laughs> just know. like it's a real advertisement for stupidity that show because yeah. it is <laughs> the stupidest show on television and yeah, also yeah. the best, and yeah. it's yeah. not a coincidence. Well, no. you, you can't be that. It, that's the irony of it is like you have to be really smart to be able to pull off the shit that's that dumb. You know, yeah. like, it's not just like, oh, man, look at this bozo just falling over himself. It's like, no, like you got to you like that's the I think that's why I really love shit when I watch it. I go, this is so fucking stupid, it's also, but it's, it's so good. It's a performance style as well, because it's just it's such commit. Every character is so entrenched in their you know, like in themselves, <laughs> yes, his commitment yes. to everything is so real. Yeah. It's just like you can't look away because right. it's like these these beautiful little car crashes where yeah. the drivers. I mean, literally in one sketch, it's like the driver <laughs> saying, the driver's just... "There wasn't a car crash," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is so perfect for our country. A car crash happens <laughs> like it, was, it clearly wasn't me, even though everyone saw him do it. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a reason that that resonates with people. Stupid people making embarrassing mistakes and then refusing to admit it for some yeah. reason that re- that resonates with the modern world. I I had a kind of related streaming question with regards to so it seems like all Pixar movies from now on are just coming out without like they're just going to be Disney Plus products. And I feel like that's like there's this new Luca one about like a kid who's a sea monster that is apparently a metaphor for like LGBTQ, like you know, be, being a, yeah, it's a metaphor for Disney acknowledging that queerness exists in the world, right? Yeah. Exactly, as a monstrosity, Without, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's just going to be dropped on Disney Plus, it seems like, and that's what happened with Soul, they dropped it for free. And I don't know, it, it feels like, do you guys feel like it's 
devaluing like Pixar movies. Like it, it just feels like it's less of an event now. When Pixar movie, like Onward came out last year, and like that wasn't really a a big thing. I think that came out before the pandemic, so it hit theaters. But I don't know. Man. I think it's, there's a few things happening. I'd imagine it's a response to the fact that they're not going to pull huge numbers at the cinema. And then also, it, there's some element that it could be a marketing strategy. It's like Uber gave out really cheap cab rides for a while. So everyone was yeah. like, man, can't believe all these cab rides are so cheap. And then yeah. they're like, okay, are we the only thing you use? Is this how you get around now? Well, guess what? Cab rides cost <laughs> $70 now. And you go, right. oh, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. And the drivers were subjecting them to hell. <laughs> yeah. It just sucks that their loss leader is like the most artistically valid thing that they were creating as a studio i feel like yeah in, in pixar movies like they're just like yeah we'll just like throw the slop out to the kitties and by treating it like that because apparently i was listening to like an industry watcher talk about how even though these movies could make a lot at the box office the m most valuable thing to them is stock price and the only thing that draws drives stock price is subscriber numbers. It's not like if you have a hit at the box office. So now they're basically all they care about is driving like Disney Plus subscription numbers. So they're going to like not even release some of these things into yeah. movie theaters, even when movie theaters open back up. It's so grim that the world is being run by old white guys who are just running around following maths. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all in the name of fucking shareholder value. Yes. Like even now we have things that's like, no, no, no. What are you kidding me? You're going to put a movie in a movie theater where people are going to go and you'll make millions, <laughs> possibly billions of dollars. Nah, 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 fam. We need the we need the subscriber numbers to go up. Yeah. So these fucking day traders and everybody else who are in on our stock, then they can feel good. That's what we're in the yeah. business for. We're no longer Disney. Teach a man this other thing. to watch a movie and he will watch a movie once in a day. But... <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.